Preface of Mark Twain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Greenman. Mark Twain by Archibald Henderson. Haply, who knows, somewhere in Avalon, Isle of Dreams, in vast contentment at last, with every grief done away, while Chaucer and Shakespeare wait, and Moliere hangs on his words, and Cervantes not far off listens and smiles apart, with that incomparable drawl, he is jesting with Dagonet now. Bliss Carmen preface there are to-day all over the world men and women and children who owe a debt of almost personal gratitude to mark twain for the joy of his humor and the charm of his personality in the future they will i doubt not seek and welcome opportunities to acknowledge that debt my own experience with the works of mark twain is in no sense exceptional from the days of early childhood my feeling for mark twain derived first solely from acquaintance with his works was a feeling of warm and as it were personal affection with limitless interest and curiosity i used to hear the uncle remus stories from the lips of one of our old family servants a negro to whom i was devotedly attached these stories were narrated to me in the negro dialect with such perfect naturalness and racial gusto that I often secretly wondered if the narrator were not Uncle Remus himself in disguise. I was thus cunningly prepared, coached, shall I say, for the maturer charms of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. With Uncle Remus and Mark Twain as my preceptors, I spent the days of my youth excitedly alternating, spellbound, between the inexhaustible attractions of Tom, Huck, Jim, Indian Joe, the duke and the dauphin and their compeers on the one hand and brer rabbit sis cow and a thousand other fantastic but very real creatures of the animal kingdom on the other i felt a strange sort of camaraderie of personal attachment for mark twain during all the years before i came into personal contact with him it was the dictum of a distinguished english critic to the effect that huckleberry finn was a literary masterpiece which first awoke in me then a mere boy a genuine respect for literary criticism for here was expressed an opinion which i had long secretly cherished but somehow never dared to utter my personal association with mr clemens comparatively brief though it was an ocean voyage meetings here and there a brief stay as a guest in his home gave me at last the justification for paying the debt which with the years had grown greater and more insistently obligatory i felt both relief and pleasure when he authorized me to pay that debt by writing an interpretation of his life and work it is an appreciation originating in the heart of one who loved mark twain's works for a generation before he ever met samuel l clemens it is an interpretation springing from the conviction that mark twain was a great american who comprehensively incorporated and realized his own country and his own age as no american has so completely done before him a supreme humorist who ever wore the panache of youth gaiety and bonhomie 
a brilliant wit who never dipped his darts in the poison of cynicism misanthropy or despair constitutionally a reformer who heedless of self boldly struck for the right as he saw it a philosopher and sociologist who intuitively understood the secret springs of human motive and impulse and empirically demonstrated that intuition in works which crossed frontiers survived translation and went straight to the human beneath the disguise of the racial a genius who lived to know and enjoy the happy rewards of his own fame a great man who saw life steadily and saw it whole archibald henderson london august fifth nineteen ten note the author esteems himself in the highest degree fortunate in having the cooperation of mr alvin langdon coburn all the illustrations both autochrome and monochrome are the work of mr coburn contents section one introductory section two the man section three the humorist section four world-famed genius section five philosopher moralist sociologist i've a theory that every author while living has a projection of himself a sort of idolon that goes about in near and distant places and makes friends and enemies for him out of folk who never knew him in the flesh when the author dies this phantom fades away not caring to continue business at the old stand then the dead writer lives only in the impression made by his literature this impression may grow sharper or fainter according to the fashions and new conditions of the time letter of thomas bailey aldridge to william dean howells of date december twenty third nineteen o one end of preface